Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question. And we'll give you more information. We'll give you resources so that you can access online courses and other events and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. Welcome to the Legal One podcast. My name is David Nash. I'm the director of the Legal One program. Today's episode is part of a 12-part series focused on reopening in the law. In today's episode, we're going to be addressing staff mental health needs, the social and emotional well-being of our staff, and the steps that schools should be taking as we prepare for full-scale reopening this fall. We have a great panel of experts who are with us today for this discussion. We're going to be hearing from Maureen Brogan, who is the statewide coordinator for the Traumatic Loss Coalitions for Youth an incredible statewide network that is run through Rutgers University Behavioral Healthcare. We have Sue Coyle, who is the Middlesex County Coordinator for the Traumatic Loss Coalition and has a wealth of experience working in school districts. And we also have with us Rebecca Gold, who now is a Legal One consultant and is also serving as the Assistant Director of Retirement and Benefit Services for the New Jersey Principals and Supervisors Association. And Rebecca comes to this conversation with a wealth of experience, including many years as a director of human resources. Before I bring in our guests for this conversation, let's review a few key legal principles. First, it's important to remember that there is a clear legal requirement in place under both state and federal law to not discriminate against any staff member who may be dealing with underlying mental health needs. And those protections are available under the Americans with Disabilities Act and under the New Jersey Law Against Discrimination. There is a requirement for all employers, including school districts, to engage in a good faith interactive process with any staff member who might be struggling with mental health needs and is requesting accommodation. And the obligation for any employer would be to work with the employee and try to provide reasonable accommodations to support that employee. There is a strong requirement to protect the confidentiality of employee health information, including sensitive information related to employee mental health needs. We have some complicating factors that we have to think about as we think about how we address the underlying mental health needs of our staff members. The state of New Jersey recently approved a constitutional amendment that will allow adults to use cannabis products and makes clear that employers cannot discriminate against adults if they choose to use those cannabis products, otherwise known as marijuana, as long as they're doing so on their own time, outside of work, and they are not coming to the workplace under the influence. So given the stresses that we have all been dealing with over the last year and a half, the COVID pandemic, some of the tremendous worldwide events that we have all seen, 
there has been an increase in staff member substance use, and we expect that there will be school employees who on their own time outside the workplace are choosing to use marijuana products, and we have to be prepared for that. It's foreseeable that there will be a need for both universal and targeted supports for staff members based on the incredible challenges that we have all been dealing with during this pandemic. We are, of course, seeing some disturbing national trends that school districts need to be aware of and we need to be prepared to address. We have actually seen a decrease in life expectancy, which is really unprecedented and unheard of in this nation. But we have seen a decrease in life expectancy due in large part to two factors, one being the COVID pandemic and the other being a substantial increase in substance use and substance use related deaths for adults. And unfortunately, we are seeing that pattern also extend to our children. We have, of course, seen an increase in adults and children who are struggling with anxiety and depression. We have, out of necessity, seen a decrease in adults and students who are engaging in social interactions with each other. Because of the pandemic, we have had a need to isolate for a very long period of time. And as we come back together in our schools, we haven't had that same level of social interaction and we might have some new challenges that arise. And related to that, we have seen an increase in societal polarization, even as we're dealing with issues like a global pandemic. These issues have become somewhat polarizing, somewhat political in nature, and we need to be prepared for some of the potential fallout of that polarization as we prepare to reopen our schools. As we think about supporting the mental health needs of our staff members, we have to keep in mind that the public health protocols that schools need to deal with are constantly being updated and revised as we learn new information. And we know there are some foreseeable legal issues that we need to be prepared for. One issue we need to be ready for is that we will have staff members who wish to continue working virtually. And we know that there will be staff members who request that accommodation. And it will be incredibly difficult for school district employers to be able to grant that accommodation moving forward. If schools are going to reopen for the vast majority of our students in the fall of 2021, we're going to need the vast majority of our staff physically present to address those needs. We know that some staff members may resist efforts to be vaccinated. It's possible that some staff members may resist other public health protocols like masking, and we need to be prepared for that. We of course know that there are staff members who experienced personal loss or other trauma during the pandemic, and we need to be incredibly sensitive to that and let those staff members know that there are supports out there to help deal with the emotional stress that they have been struggling with. Frankly, we know that there are staff members who are out of practice when it comes to dealing with challenging students, challenging colleagues, just the fundamental day-to-day -day social interactions we need to be able to engage in in order to effectively work as school district employees. And we know in these polarizing times, there are staff members who wish to express political views and sometimes express political views on sensitive topics and if that's not handled appropriately, that can also negatively impact on the mental health of other staff members, parents, and students in our schools. So we have a wide range of challenges that we're facing, but we also have some real opportunities to put in place universal supports and targeted supports to help our staff members and to build a level of trust and confidence that we will be there for all of our staff moving forward. So with that said, let me turn to our experts who are joining us today. 
And let me begin with a question for Maureen, Brogan, and then Sue Coyle. What are some of the universal supports that schools should think about putting in place for all staff members in order to address mental health needs and the social and emotional well-being of our staff? First off, I really appreciate the fact that you touched on that everyone is returning to a building changed. No one is the same teacher, nurse, paraprofessional, administrator that they were 18 months ago. So I think the very first step is to keep things real and acknowledge that we've all been through some changes. And David touched on some of the changes might be related to grief and loss. Some of it might be related to increased anxiety or possibly depression, or maybe we were using substances to cope. I think what's really difficult is you have so many people coming and returning at the same time with a different lived experience yet the expectation remains the same. We are here to educate our youth. We are educating our children. That's the expectation. So we have to, while we're being supportive, while we're saying, hey, this has been a really difficult time for many folks. We all have different things that we're bringing to the table. We also wanna say, encouraging the teamwork part. We will get through this together. And the keys are clear communication. I also think setting the tone where you're soliciting feedback from your staff members, whether it's staff meetings, surveys, but also too, and I'll keep using the word balance because we can hear things, but sometimes we can't act or we can't grant everybody's wishes or desires. So it's that careful balance of saying, hey, we wanna hear what people have to say. We want their opinions. We want them to share but we also want to be clear that we can't always adjust policies and procedures based on an individual. And basically with the goal of educating our youth, we have to look at the big picture and do the best that we can to protect people and also support people, but also to still hold that expectation that we're here to educate our youth. And that's also too meaning not only academically, but socially, emotionally. And I know in New Jersey, so many of you do a great job with social emotional learning. So you're gonna fall back on some of those things you had in place prior to the pandemic. So the universal precaution part, what I really would suggest is getting ahead of it, acknowledging whether it's via an email to the staff or an early on staff meeting to acknowledge that we've been through these changes, to set the expectations, but also too, to offer supports prior to people even requesting them. So if we get ahead of it and say, hey, we know it's been a difficult time, you might even share some of the data that David just shared. All of this is real. So you wanna put that you're dealing in reality, you know these are not easy times. And by offering then some opportunities to say, hey, if you have a good relationship with your supervisor, that's awesome. Some people may not feel comfortable going to um, a supervisor. Some people may not feel comfortable going to EAP. Other people might. So you want to also give people a variety of resources to say, hey, here are some resources right now. So if you're having some difficulty getting your brain wrapped around the actual return to the classroom, you might want to reach out this month in August before you hit the ground running in September. And I'm going to hand over to my colleague, Sue Coyle, who actually is going to share some of those resources. And we also, too, um, will give you some links of how to access some of these resources. Thank you, Maureen. You know, I just can't stress enough that messaging in an ongoing way is going to really go a long way with regard to staff well-being. 
So when administration is always showing that they are mindful and concerned and wanting to be supportive, that's what Maureen was talking about, getting out ahead of things and then staying with it and staying ahead of, of providing information and also just that overall messaging that we care, we recognize the stress and the difficulties that we've all faced and, and we're going to be mindful of doing all that we can to support you as a staff. So doing things like providing concrete ideas, activities, and trainings and workshops, like tips on meditation for stress management, putting lots of information out in staff work rooms and in faculty rooms and principal newsletters and constantly keeping all of that in the forefront, that there's information and ideas and that you want to be providing a focus and information and tools for people to use to take care of their own staff wellness. Doing just basic things like, you know, you could bring in, there's lots of mental health agencies that are willing now to come in and do many workshops on stress management. So it's a way to get some kind of free PD that you can offer in after school hours. Also making sure that important numbers and hotline numbers are posted because People aren't always going to want to ask for help in school, in their place of work, but making sure that you have things like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline numbers and chat lines posted, disaster distress helpline, that kind of information, having it always available, or the NJEA aid hotline numbers to provide for folks. And there's a final piece of information that will be provided as part of this podcast called pause, reset, and nourish. And it's a great resource that was provided by the National Child Traumatic Stress Network that gives a whole host of ideas and valuable links to various different resources, um, as well as other podcasts for, for health and wellness activities that folks can be doing. So of course, providing support for our staff members does require a little bit of a leap of faith and a level of trust from our staff. So Rebecca, let me ask you to come into our conversation and just talk about the challenges that we face. Given the concern over confidentiality that many staff members have, the fear that they might face potential adverse employment action if they open up about their own struggles, how can schools encourage staff to share any mental health needs that they may be struggling with? First of all, we have found over the years that when you're part of a group, it's always a little bit easier to be open about certain things. And that can be everything from learning how to work a computer, or it can be something as part of a group session, as Susan and Maureen mentioned. But when you're in a group, it's easier, not even to get to detail, but to say, you know what, it's hard to come back to school. I need some help doing this, this, and this. And together we work it out. I'm developing right now a plan for our teachers. I'm calling it CARE, C-A-R-E, Colleagues Assisting with Respect and Empathy. I really feel that the two key things, and Dave, you mentioned it at the beginning, is to avoid the bullying and the comments that people might make if you have an opinion that's different than theirs. And so I'm hoping to bring a little bit more awareness of how important we all are to each other, how much it is to, how much it means to us to have somebody to talk to. And whether that's the guidance counselor, it could be a union president, 
It could be a custodian, it could be a secretary. There are no titles when we come to mental health. We all struggle, we all have different problems and we need to be able to talk. We're setting up groups to have sessions of generalities, how to deal with certain things. And then I think it's very important based on confidentiality, Dave, that you mentioned, we're going to try to scoop out a little area that's confidential, a work area, where if somebody feels they have to get out of the classroom or out of the hall or out of the lunchroom and they need to just go someplace quiet where there's soft music playing and they can just sit and get to themselves for the moment. Sometimes schools can be very loud, very overwhelming, people yelling your name, kids needing you, parents coming in. So we're trying to make some kind of confidential break room. It won't be labeled confidential break room, it'll be labeled, you know, just teachers faculty room, an auxiliary room where they can go. Confidentiality has to be mentioned at the beginning of every school year to everybody in the building. You have access to information that you have because you work there. That doesn't mean you can share it. If a colleague shares with you something, we have to keep that confidential too. Some districts have confidentiality agreements. And if you break it, it it's, it's done. You, you can lose your job. So I think that it's important that we totally recognize it's hard enough to go through this. It's even harder than to share it with somebody and find out that everybody else knows because they spoke. That just is a double, double shot at somebody and it's not good. So we're looking into that. And of course, as Susan and Maureen said, and it bears repeating, a network of people supporting each other. We have no idea how important that is sometimes. Sometimes one word from somebody makes a person's day and changes the course of where they were minutes before then. They walk in, maybe they're upset, they didn't know where to leave the kids that day, uh, their own kids, they have going into classrooms with problems with parents waiting for them. They may not get along with the administration, they don't want to know what to go, who to go with, and you walk down the hall and somebody says, so glad you're here today, you just made my day that I know you're here. That person now has a totally different perspective so that's the things that we're looking at. It basically boils down to humans, whether you're a colleague, whether you're a staff, whether you're a dear friend that you've been working together or you're a brand new teacher. It helps when somebody says to you, I'm glad you're here. We're all going through this together. Let's see what we can do to make this work. Let me just take a moment to stress one piece on confidentiality that sometimes there can be a real misunderstanding about. If a staff member needs to access mental health resources and supports that are available to that employee, the employer does not have the right to know the details of that staff member's interaction with a mental health professional. The employer really needs to know if the employee is able to come into the workplace and function. So Rebecca, can you talk about that for a moment, this fear that if we access services, my supervisor, my employer is going to find out all the details, everything that I just shared with a mental health professional? I think that as staff members, as employees of a school district, it's very important to know who are the first people in line for you to go to where you don't have to worry about confidentiality. And that includes the union president or a union member who's on the administrative team of the union that can lead you to the employee assistance plan, which is totally confidential. 
and they will not be going around telling people in the school what's going on. It leads you to a guidance counselor who understands as part of their job, confidentiality with the kids, with all the different things they deal with. And then in your working with all your colleagues, you know who doesn't talk about everything and keeps secrets and you know is there to help but doesn't become a gossip, so to speak. And so it's important to lean on those people. But your best bet is your tried and true colleagues who you've worked with, who you know are confidential, will not spill anything. Your nurse, that's another wonderful resource. The school nurse can help, can point in the right direction, and is totally confidential. These are mental health colleagues who understand that shaming somebody or sharing something will only make the situation worse. And so I think it's very, very important to reach out to those people who professionally know what confidentiality is and know how to deal with things and to know that if you talk to them, not only are they confidential, but they will get you the help that you need. And it could be everything from a person to talk to all the way to the employee assistance plan. For those of you who are not aware, the employee assistance plan generally is taken on by the union in a district. And that's exactly what it's there for, for assistance, for drugs, alcohols, mental health, suicide prevention. They will steer you to the right people who do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and can help you. It's so important for staff members to know that if you do take that leap of faith and now you are dealing with a psychologist, psychiatrist, and other mental health professional and sharing the information that you have that's very personal, very important to know that that will remain confidential. And really all that the employer needs to know at that point is whether you're able to be in the workplace and not any of the specifics of what you might be going through. So let me ask you, uh, Rebecca, and then of course we can have Sue and Maureen comment as well. When do school leaders need to engage in progressive supervision? You have a staff member perhaps who is struggling with mental health issues. It's now impacting their performance. When do we cross that line? We're always looking, of course, to support all of our staff members, but is there a time when you might need to engage in progressive supervision and deal with the employee's performance? Absolutely. And it goes with one word, safety, the safety of the employee and the safety of our students. We must be careful to make sure that while we are protecting and helping the staff member, that our students are not in any situation that would put them at a disadvantage in a school system. Meaning if an employee comes to work and they are depressed over COVID, and they had maybe some drinks before they came in and they're really not stable and they're mumbling and they may be doing things that they shouldn't be. I have to be concerned and A, take the employee back to the main office and have the nurse evaluate and see what's going on. At the same time, I have to protect the students. Our students need to know somebody walks back in the room and says, Mrs. Jones is not feeling good today. Mrs. So-and-so will take the class and move on. So I believe that the key word is safety of both the employee, the staff member, as well as our students. And safety is not only their immediate safety for their health, but it's the safety of their mental outlook and the safety of what the children are viewing. 
what is going on in that room based on the employee's unstable environment in their home and they're coming into work and it's just not working. That's the point, Dave, that to us, we engage in progressive supervision. We start with protecting the employee, down to the nurse, sending them home. We'll pay them for those days until they get the help they need or they reach out to other mental health professionals. At the same time, protecting our students so that they don't walk around, oh, Mrs. So-and-so did this, this, this. No, Mrs. So-and-so didn't feel good today and she went home and here's your substitute. She'll be back in another couple of days and we move on. However, that does get written up as progressive intervention because you want to protect that employee and make sure that it doesn't just keep going on. You don't want them getting in a car driving home if they're not stable. You don't want anything to happen outside of school on the way home. And then there's all the legal ramifications of testing, non-testing, which comes further along after we assess with the nurse. But it's extremely important to protect the safety of both the staff member and the students. Maureen, let me ask you to comment briefly on this as well. We have a, a dear friend and colleague, George Scott, who has a phrase that has always struck me as really profound. And he will say from time to time, hurt people hurt people. Can you talk a little bit about that and the danger of a staff member who is not getting the help that they need, potentially causing real harm to children in our schools? I love when George says that. And really what he's saying is that when we're suffering ourselves, when we've had some type of injury, and also too, when we talk about injury, we're not only talking about physical injury, this pandemic has also hit us like emotionally, intellectually, and even for some folks, morally. So we have a whole bunch of injuries ourselves. And by that statement too, is saying usually when we have been hurt, it flows out of us and then we end up hurting others. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're malicious, mean people. It's more of we're not operating with our full capacity that we had before this hurt happened. So what Rebecca was saying as well is like safety of the students, safety of staff is the utmost importance. I think what's really helpful is meeting again head on with the person. And also too, when we say head on, I don't want anyone to take that as I'm being confrontational. It means like get ahead of it. Don't be afraid to have the conversation. And I think that's the other part too, is have the conversation. And also to bring to the person's attention what you've observed. See, people can relate when you point out, like if you just say, I'm worried about you, which is really a nice thing to say, especially if you are worried about someone. But it's so different if you actually can pinpoint, I've noticed you've had a difficult time getting to work on time. That hasn't been the way of your way of being in the world. Is everything okay? Or if you're concerned about that they might be drinking, you know, which can be harmful to everyone involved, including the person themselves, you want to actually point out the concrete things that you've observed to say, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I'm concerned. Hey, there's nothing wrong with needing help. We all need help at some point. Could I assist you? Can I connect you? So again, I think it's all about having the conversations. Again, it's the validation that things have been really tough. And again, saying that we've noticed, I've noticed, you know, we're concerned. There are certain things that we still have to meet a certain level of professionalism as well as expertise in order to educate our students. And we can't lower the bar. We have to figure out ways to creatively bring everybody up to that bar. The same way we work with our students. There's like an expectation and we don't 
beat them down and say, you're not doing this, this, or this. We talk about what we need to do to bring them up. And that's what we need to do with our staff too. What do we need to do to get you back to that level of functioning? What do we need to get you back to? You have that passion that you did when you started, whether it was your career or even three years ago, and then having those conversations. So I think the key point there is when you're open, when you've come from the point of concern, people can hear things a little bit better than if they just feel you're being critical. Thank you for that, Maureen. And let me thank all of our incredible guests today for the great insights into this really challenging set of issues. So thank you, Maureen Brogan. Thank you, Susan Coyle. Thank you, Rebecca Gold. And I wanna thank all of our listeners on today's podcast. I do want you to know that we are going to be offering a series of follow-up podcast episodes that go into greater depth on supporting all of our staff members and addressing any mental health needs that may be arising. We do want to encourage all of our listeners to also access the Legal One website for additional information at www.njpsa.org slash Legal One NJ. We have also partnered with the New Jersey PTA and encourage you to visit the NJPTA website as well at www.njpta.org. And we do want to thank all of you for the great work you're doing every day to address our students and address their needs. It's very important that you don't forget to address your own needs and support your colleagues as well as we all prepare for reopening this fall. Be safe, be well, and we look forward to having you with us on a future episode of the Legal One podcast. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.